It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome to everybody. Episode three. Oh, so 97 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Monday, June 7th, 2021. People, hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed some beautiful weather. And I hope you enjoyed what was actually a great weekend in sports. I mean, I'm not a college baseball expert, but I had a lot of fun watching the college baseball. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching the NBA playoffs. Again, not stuff that I'll necessarily talk about on this show, but a lot of great sports. There are two topics today, though, that I do want to hit on as it pertains to this show. The first one, I want to dive deeper into name image likeness. And let me explain why. There were two big stories over the course of this weekend that kind of made me realize, you know what? I think name image likeness will actually be good for college sports. And I've only spent all this show talking about the negative of name image likeness. Coach K retiring, Roy Williams retiring, Urban Meyer going to the NFL. And I haven't hit on the positives of it. And many of you, your Kentucky basketball fans, your uh, Arkansas baseball fans, your Alabama football fans, whatever. And you guys have been hitting me nonstop. And you're right. There are a lot of positives to name image likeness. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then what we will do is take a break, come back. And I want to start kind of gearing up for college football season. Certainly, if there's big basketball topics like last week with Coach K, we're going to hit on them. But we are less than 100 days till kickoff, and many of you are itching for college football, and many of you, by the way, want to bet some college football. So what I'm going to do on the back half of the show is get to the seven teams that I believe are college football playoff sleepers. We know Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma are really good coming into the year. I'm going to give you a few teams. If you hear something you like that maybe you go uh, pull up your FanDuel app or your whatever app, make a small bet. The point being, we got to start talking college football. It is coming here soon. Those are the two main topics. Before we get into it, a couple quick announcements. So a little bit of an announcement, Tom. I don't mean to like beat around the bush, You know, not get to the meat of the show. But very quickly, a couple things. First of all, many of you have asked me, there is some kind of major issue with iTunes right now. And so I do want to apologize uh, because the shows are just backed up. And like some of you still have not seen the Friday show show up into your feed. I did post a show on Friday with additional reaction to Coach K with Nick Coffey. Many of you have not seen that show pop up. It is concerning to me. I've reached out to iTunes. 
I am doing everything that I can on my end, but I apologize that some of the shows are backlogged. I genuinely do. I wish there was something else I could do. On top of that, speaking of shows, I did want to give you a quick heads up. Wednesday, we are going to do a special non-sports show as I welcome in a gentleman named Forrest Galante. I have mentioned him on this show before. I did the interview with him on Friday, but Forrest Galante, as far as I'm concerned, is basically the modern-day Steve Irwin. He has this great show on Animal Planet called Extinct or Alive, and they basically drop him into the deepest jungles of Africa and Asia and South America and whatever, and they say, hey, we haven't seen this monkey or this alligator or whatever in over 100 years. Go find it. And he's actually had a lot of success. So he has a new book out. He is coming on the show. He has some crazy stories about dealing with, you know, drug cartels and corrupt police and all this kind of crazy stuff. But it's a really fun interview that will run on Wednesday. Assuming that nothing major happens in sports, it will be a non-sports show. So I just want to give you a heads up. I do think you'll enjoy it, though. I do think at least give it a shot. It's really fun, and I do think if, if you know anything about him, he's been on Joe Rogan. He's been on Part of My Take. Really cool guy. Really fun interview. Hate to brag. He invited himself back on the show, wants to come on. He's got another show coming out on Shark Week here in a couple weeks. He wants to do the show again here in a couple weeks. But anyway, let's get into it. So much to talk about. And again, great weekend of sports, by the way. Can I just say one thing really quick? I might have to take a quick break. I am running a little bit of a temperature right now because your boy had some college baseball fever this weekend. That's right. Listen, I don't know anything about college baseball. I'm not going to claim to. I will say Phil Elson, the play-by-play voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks, he doesn't even know this yet. But if Arkansas makes a deep run, I am forcing him onto this show to teach me about college football or college baseball uh, and the College World Series. But I had a lot of fun watching the College World Series this weekend. Unfortunately, my UConn Huskies uh, just crapped the bed after winning their opener against Michigan. They got destroyed by Notre Dame, lost to Central Michigan. Do want to shout out the Fairfield Stags, though, who made it as I'm recording. They are playing to advance to Monday to play again. So for all of you whose team is still in it, we have a lot of... Tennessee fans, Arkansas fans, Mississippi. We have all sorts of fans, UCLA, that listen to this show. So to all of you whose teams made the college baseball tournament, I hope you enjoyed the weekend. I enjoyed the heck out of it. By the way, quick shout-out to the Tennessee Titans fans, as Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. Uh, I still don't know if I believe that Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback that can can win you a Super Bowl, but we're going to find out because you got A.J. Brown. You got Derrick Henry, and now you got Julio Jones. So a lot of good sports stuff, but let's get into, as I said, the topic of the day. And frankly, in my opinion, it's just something I've wanted to hit on. There hasn't been a time, there hasn't been a place, but I do think kind of the combination of what happened last week, where Coach K steps away, says, you know what, this the, the new look of college sports, that's not for me, that's not for my generation – coupled with a couple stories that I saw this weekend, it kind of made me realize that I've only been talking about the negative of name image likeness, and I do think there's a lot of positives to it. So first of all, I think everybody knows, right? Name image likeness, basically within the next, honestly, six weeks, college athletes will now be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness, which means they can post on Instagram, they can start a YouTube channel. If a car dealership or this person or that person comes up to them and offers them an opportunity to sponsor a product, they can do so. So that world is coming, and I still think a lot of people that are kind of fringe college sports fans or follow their team but don't follow this day-to-day, 
It's kind of amazing, but it is coming really quick. As of July 1st, it will be legal in some states to make money off of your name, image, and likeness. And so what does that mean? It means that the NCAA, say in the state of Alabama, cannot stop the Alabama quarterback if somebody offers them, hey, here's 25K to post something on your Instagram feed. The NCAA cannot stop that athlete from making money off their name, image, and likeness. This is a huge topic. Again, we've only talked about the negative, but what's incredible is it is coming straight down the runway. Like I said, there are several states that as effective uh, on July 1st, so it's June 7th right now, July 1st, players and athletes will be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And this is a huge topic because in typical NCAA fashion, in typical Mark Emmert fashion, I talked about the idiotic, awful decision to give him an extension a few months back. Uh, In typical Mark Emmert fashion, we're three weeks away from this thing coming, and the NCAA doesn't really have a plan in place. Now, as usual, they have a working group going on, and it's going to meet in the middle of June, and they're going to try to figure some things out and some parameters. But nobody knows exactly what it is going to look like but it is coming really quick. And for the millionth time, and I'll move on to the, to the meat of this momentarily, but it really hit me this week that over the last couple of weeks, I have really only talked about the negative aspects of the name image likeness stuff. I've talked about the fact that it is scaring away some coaches, that I truly believe it's a reason that Coach K decided to step away. I just don't think that he is comfortable after 35, 40, 45 years of doing things one way to now go into a home and have an agent sitting alongside the next Zion Williamson, the next, um, you know, uh, whoever, R.J. Barrett, James Wiseman, uh, Tyrese Maxey, whoever, and have an agent sitting there saying, okay, coach, yeah, I know you won a bunch of gold medals, and I know you won a bunch of ACC championships, and I know you coached a bunch of NBA All-Stars, but what are you going to do for us money-wise? Like, I don't think Coach K was comfortable with that. But this is a new world. Things evolve. And it's something that we have talked about on this show for a while is the idea that it probably is only fair that athletes do have an opportunity to make money, again, off their name, image, and likeness. This is not the school paying players. I don't think it can fiscally work to pay players because you have all sorts of laws and all sorts of problems and do you pay the the last girl on the gymnastics team the same as the starting quarterback and you really can't because the quarterback's bringing in money. The last girl on the gymnastics team probably isn't, certainly not the same. Do you, pay, you, know, you can't do the payment stuff, but name image likeness is if you're popular, if you're cool, if you have a big social media following, you can make a little bit of money. And oh, by the way, if you're really good, you can make a little bit of money as well. And so I've never had a problem with it. I've talked about it on this show. I've said myself, listen, when I do a manscaped.com read, which by the way, manscaped.com, promo code Taurus, get your, get your, get your man a, a Father's Day gift, um, or get yourself a Father's Day gift, even if you're not a father. When I say manscaped.com, promo code Taurus, I'm using my name, image, likeness. So it would be hypocritical for me to say that I should be able to do that, but that DJ Uilaganlele from Clemson should not be able to, like it doesn't make sense. And so I've never been opposed to it, but there were two, st- but, but as I said, I've been doing too much on the negative side of it, but there were two stories this weekend that really hit me, that really hit me that this might be a good thing for college sports in general. It's, it's different. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. It's going to make some people uncomfortable, but this is the evolution. And I do think we have to remember there was one point probably before many of us even remember, cause I don't remember it where the Olympics were strictly amateur athletes. You couldn't, if you played in the NBA, you could not play in the Olympics. And then one day they kind of de-amateurized the Olympics. It's still awesome. We still tune in, 
even though NBA players are playing. Or like it, the the Olympics is still awesome. So the two stories that I saw that made me realize, you know what, Torres, you've been complaining a lot about this name, image, likeness stuff, but wait till it comes. It's going to be okay. The first one. Did you see this Johnny Manziel story? So Johnny Manziel, who I'm not going to lie, like in general, I'm just kind of basically over Johnny Manziel. I feel bad. I, I, you know, I don't get the sense. I don't know if he's in a great place mentally or physically, and I'm not making fun or anything like that. I'm not wishing him any ill will, but he's had a bunch of comebacks, and it's clear that football probably isn't the top priority in his life anymore, but he was on a Barstool Sports podcast last week, and they kind of asked him about the hysteria at Texas A&M. And one thing he talked about was the incident in which he was caught signing autographs. <laughs> if you remember, he lawyered the F up. He came from a, a family that, that was affluent enough to help him. They lawyered up. He ended up with a half a game suspension. But in the story, he talked about the process of actually going out and getting th- this autograph deal. So basically, the first one, he said that he only got paid $3,000, okay? He got paid $3,000, and somebody came up to him and said, basically, dude, you're getting ripped off. And so after that, somebody came up to him and said, listen, I can, I can make sure that you get paid what you need to get paid, but we got to do this on the DL so the NCAA doesn't find out about it. And so this is what Johnny Manziel said about, uh, about the incident. Um, he said, was paid $3,000, and then somebody said, hey, I can get you way more money for that. So th- this is what, how Johnny Manziel explained the second encounter in which he got $30,000. He said, so this guy is like, all right, go to this room at the Fountain Blue. Fountain Blue is a very expensive hotel in Miami, by the way. All this stuff will be there laid out. And when you're done, just send me a picture of it. I'll give you the code to the safe and the money will be there. That was the first thing that made me realize, okay, enough of this crap. It is time to get over ourselves, get over our high horse. And I've been the person saying the college model is great. And I still believe the college model is great. But when Johnny Manziel, seven, eight years ago, had to sneak around, had to sneak in a hotel, had to go into the room by himself, sign a bunch of stuff, get some money out of a safe and walk out, like that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And so to me, let's do it a couple things. One, it's not safe for Johnny Manziel. Who knows what the heck could have potentially happened? The, uh, you know, how smart it is to be walking around with 30K. What could have happened if this guy wasn't on the up and up? Who knows what, you know, you don't know what could have happened. But two, like, let's just do it above board. Let's just do it in a way that, you know, the college station Applebee's, I don't know, I don't know if Applebee's is throwing around money left and right like that, but the college station Applebee's brings them in, there's proper security, they cut him a check, it's above board, he pays taxes on it, he learns a little bit about, you know, fiscal responsibility and all that stuff. Isn't that better than sneaking into a room in the Fountain Blue and just signing a bunch of stuff and then going into a safe? Because to me, like that, that's where we're at. That's not good for anybody, and it is time to move on from that. And if that means doing it above board, I don't think it's going to fracture the locker room. Like I, I don't. And maybe I'm completely wrong on this. Maybe I sound really stupid five years from now. But everybody at A&M at that time knew Johnny Manziel was their meal ticket. Not only the coaches, but a lot of the players too. Like, yeah, the, the starting left guard understands that we're number one in the country or we're number five in the country or whatever it was because of Johnny Manziel. I don't think that he's going to be that mad that Johnny Manziel makes 20 or 25K by signing a bunch of autographs. So that was the first story. And I, I should say this too, on top of that, did you guys even hear that story? Because that story to me flew under the radar. And the reason it flew under the radar is because it speaks to what I'm talking about now. 
Nobody really cares. So if nobody cares that kids are getting paid under the table, nobody cares that it's illegal, then on top of that, it's not safe, it's not all that stuff, it's probably just for the best that we just legalize it and make it above board. So that was the first story. The fact that nobody cared, the fact that nobody was outraged speaks as to how much things have changed and opinions have changed on this topic. And so because of it, that was the first story that I saw that I was like, you know what? I've crapped on it. I've talked about Coach K. I've talked about Roy Williams. Maybe it's just time for this to happen. The second one relates to what a lot of you guys have asked me. Because a lot of you guys have asked me, Torres, you know, especially we got fans of Kentucky, Arkansas, Indiana, whatever, saying, okay, Torres, last week you talked about the impact that not having Coach K in college basketball will have and the impact it will have on recruiting. And I did say on last episode, I said, well, you know, I think going forward, Kentucky's number one rival in recruiting is not going to be Duke or Carolina. It's going to be the overtime in G League. And many of you, a couple of you sent me uh, questions, comments, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. He said, wait a second now. Yeah, overtime at G League may be our number one competition for recruits, but pretty soon we're going to be able to pay people above board. And so it was really interesting because I saw a quote from Jay Lucas, who's the assistant coach, top of, one of the top assistant coaches at the University of Kentucky, and he was at some, uh, he, Kentucky's doing kind of this statewide event in which all their players are going, running free camps, having the, you know, signing autographs, doing all that stuff. And Jay Lucas, their assistant coach, was asked about kind of the impending name image likeness. He said a bunch of interesting stuff, but what he said that caught my attention was this. For us at Kentucky... We understand how big of a platform that we have and how big of a brand that we have, especially in college basketball. So for someone who really wants the opportunity to enhance their brand on the biggest market, we feel that's what we are and what we have to offer. And that was the moment that it just slapped me in the face. And I don't know if you heard me slap hands, but that's exactly, like it hit me in the head like, Taurus, you've been talking about all the negative stuff. But you've also been talking about this overtime, this G League, what does it mean for the future of college basketball, blah, 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 this and that. And then it hit me. I understand there's always going to be people that, frankly, just aren't interested in the academic element of college athletics. They're just, like, like it's the truth. We all went to high school with kids that just weren't into to, to the academics. Like, they played, they, they literally went to school so they could stay eligible for football or for basketball or for baseball or for wrestling or for tennis or whatever. There's always going to be kids that just don't want to go to school. But there are also always going to be the flip side too, which is the parents that kind of understand, you know what, my kid's going to be a millionaire in a couple years, but in the meantime, if he can start on an education, that wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, think about all of the parents and everybody in college sports that that has been the case for. I remember talking to Wendell, remember Wendell Carter who went to Duke for a year? I remember talking to his mom and she's like, yeah, I, I want him to go to Harvard. Like, he had grades that were good enough to get him into Harvard. I wanted him to go to Harvard, start on that degree before he went to the NBA. Instead, he chooses Duke. Mo Bamba was really smart. Obviously, the last couple of years, Stanford has picked up their recruitment. Last year, they had Zaire Williams. This year, they have a kid named Harrison Ingram, who's a top 15 recruit. So for the players, there's always go like, like there are, are always going to be parents that care about the academic component and say, I'm not sending my kid to some academy uh, with the G League. Like, I'm not doing it. But at the same time, you got to help me out a little bit here, college sports. And so if you can find that sweet, you know, that, 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 that balance of going to school, like, like not being totally, I don't, I don't think players are taking advantage of, but the way parents see it, you know, like taking, taking advantage of, of like, you know, you got to give me a little something, but oh, by the way, we can still work on our education. 
Like, that is the best of both worlds if you think about it, right? So think about Duke. Think about Kentucky. Think about Carolina. Think about Virginia. Think about Michigan with Juwan Howard, who you know how I feel about Juwan Howard. Think about Michigan on the football side with Jim Harbaugh. I know he's terrible, but great school, great academics, great whatever. Same with Alabama, whatever. You can now say to them, well, you don't have to, you don't have to go to the G League to get paid. You don't have to go to overtime to get paid. Come here, work on your education, and on top of that, if you play well, you're going to be able to make some real money. And in the process, I think it helps a school in basketball like Kentucky or UCLA or any of these top programs, even the ones that are on their way up, like Alabama and Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas, everybody knows, the ho- people are crazy about the Hogs in Arkansas. People are crazy about the Tide in Tuscaloosa. People are crazy about the Vols in Knoxville. And so on the one hand, it allows the kid to actually go to college, be a normal kid, and it allows them to make a little bit of money so they don't have to skip college altogether to go to the G League or overtime. And two, by the way, if they're having fun in college, they don't have to rush out the door to take some crappy two-way contract where they're going to end up in the G League next year. And so the Jay Lucas comment, and I'm going to read it again. This is a Kentucky assistant coach. He said, for us at Kentucky, we understand how big of a platform and how big of a brand that we have, especially in college basketball. So for somebody who really wants the opportunity to enhance their brand on the biggest market, we feel that's what we are and what we have to offer. Again, that's the money quote right there. That is the moment that it hit me like, wait a second now. I've been talking about the negative. I've been talking about the crap. But oh my goodness, think about everything Kentucky has to offer. They already are the biggest brand in college basketball or one of the top two or three. I'm not going to argue if you think UCLA is bigger or Duke's bigger or whatever. But they're one of the top two or three. Then on top of that, you are playing in front of packed houses. You're playing on ESPN. It was actually really interesting. I was watching the Hawks 76ers game on Sunday, and Trey Young was saying, like, I think part of the reason I don't get any respect We never play on national TV. He said, I played on national TV every game in Oklahoma. I played on national TV four times this season before the playoffs. Trey Young said this. So now, if you are Kentucky, if you are UCLA, if you are uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin in basketball, whatever, you can offer that stage of, come here, you're going to play on national TV. We are, use us to help you build your brand the way that Zion did, the way that RJ Barrett did, the way that Emmanuel quickly did whoever and then on top of that you're going to get paid and so I don't know how a couple things I don't know how much a kid is actually going to be able to get for an Instagram post or something like that what was interesting from Jay Lucas's perspective the way that he explained it was that basically the school couldn't set it up so it's not like the school is 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 going out there and saying hey uh let's be the middleman for Again, College Station Applebee's to have Johnny Manziel there. I guess, you know, the the schools are hiring outside services to help with the process. But I only bring it up to say I don't know how much, uh, you know, money is out there. But I also think that when you can combine the academics of it all, when you can combine the fact that the branding of it all, the fact that playing for Duke means something. I'm sorry. I talked about it with Jalen Suggs. It means something. You're gonna get, you know, you're gonna get that national exposure. You're gonna be a household name. Go to Jalen Suggs' Instagram right now. You are going to see that basically every post on Jalen Suggs' Instagram is now an ad because the guy made uh, that iconic shot, and college basketball helped him. So I'm rambling. I don't want to go on, but when you include the branding aspect, when you include the academic aspect, which does still matter for some parents, 
and you include the fact that they're going to get a little bit of money. I think this is going to be probably a net positive for college sports. It remains to be seen. I do think it'll be interesting, by the way, unrelated to anything. Um, you know, how it all works and everything like that. And again, shame on the NCAA. They have given these schools and these coaches and these players no real guidance. But it's coming fast. And it really, the Jay Lucas quote hit me of like, this actually could be a good thing. Now kids don't have to do the sketchy Johnny Manziel stuff under the table. They can do it above board. They can do it on their free time. They can do it in a way that is safe where whatever. And hopefully it'll all be a net positive. All right, so I think that's enough for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Like I said, I just wanted to hit on the other side because those two stories really did kind of strike me as like, wow, this is actually a different perspective that I haven't talked about. So I didn't want to talk about that. Uh, I want to take a quick break. And when I come back, what I want to do is this. Um, We're now under 100 days to the start of college football season. And it may feel like it's forever. But first of all, we're like five weeks away from SEC Media Day. And once SEC Media Day comes, you know, taking off like wildfire. So what I want to do is take a quick break. I want to come back. And I want to talk college football playoff dark horses. And essentially what that's going to be, all the teams besides Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, the four teams that seem to always make the college football playoff, who are the seven teams that could potentially get in? That is all. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back, and we are going to talk college football playoff dark horses. All right, everybody. I am back. Uh, and let's talk a little college football. And, and so as a little bit of a backstory, I know I just said it. A moment ago, I said it to lead the show, but this is kind of that weird time of year where we're just doing whatever we can to put together an entertaining show, right? So, uh, you know, the way the calendar works is obviously with March comes March Madness. We did a ton of downloads. We appreciate your guys' support and everything that you do for this show. But then really over the last couple of years, April and May has become transfer portal season in college hoops. You guys love it. We talk about it a ton. My numbers actually went up during transfer portal season. So thank you guys for the support. And we are also still, however, we're basically out of transfer portal season. College hoops kind of free agency, if you will, is basically done. We're still waiting for a few NBA draft decisions, which I'll talk about on a future show. But outside of that, college hoops is done. But we're also still probably about five weeks from really ramping up for college football, okay? Once SEC media days start, once that happens, that's when we are full speed ahead with college football. But right now, we're kind of in that middle ground of there's not a lot going on. Uh, Listen, I love college baseball. I told you at the top. I'm not breaking down uh, Arkansas's bullpen or or, or Tennessee's, uh, uh, you know, depth, whatever. But I bring it up to say that, that, you know, what I do want to do here over the next couple weeks is with less basketball stuff, I do want to transition back to college football for two reasons. The first one, the season is actually way closer than people realize. It's about 90 or so days until that first big opening weekend on Labor Day weekend when Alabama plays Miami, when UCLA plays uh, LSU, when Clemson plays Georgia. So that's the first reason. The second reason, as I told you a few weeks ago, is because with more and more of you living in states where gambling is now legalized, where sports gambling is now legalized, we have a ton of listeners in Tennessee, a ton of listeners in Indiana, a ton of listeners in Virginia, which I believe is now officially legal, Colorado, whatever. I bring it up to say, as sports gambling becomes more legalized, now is the time to make your bets. Now is the time to get the best odds before all the sharp you know, professional money comes in. And so 
I just want to start talking college football just to get you guys to the window. If you hear something that intrigues you, you can do your own little research and then decide if that's worth throwing 20 bucks down on that team to win the ACC or the Big 12 or the SEC or whatever. And so what I want to do now is talk about long-term college football playoff dark horse teams, okay? That is what we're going to do for the rest of the show, college football playoff dark horse teams. And before we get into college football playoff dark horse teams, what I want to do is explain what I am determining to be a dark horse, okay? What I am determining to be a dark horse is essentially everyone other than four teams in the country. We know Bama's going to be awesome. We know Clemson's going to be awesome. We know Ohio State's going to be awesome. All three of those teams made the playoff. And I think this year specifically, Oklahoma is the overwhelming favorite in the Big 12. Now, there's a really good second team, which we'll talk about momentarily. But if you remember, Oklahoma last year struggled early, came all the way back, won the Big 12, went to the Cotton Bowl, beat Dan Mullen's brains in. Dan Mullen claimed it wasn't a real bowl game. It didn't even count. None of his players played. But I bring it up because Oklahoma, there is some real hype with Oklahoma going into this season. And so to me, those are the four clear-cut, definitive best teams going into the season. And so all I'm doing is giving you the seven teams that I believe outside of them have at least a shot to make the college football playoff because the bottom line is somebody will emerge. Think about last year. We started the season, Clemson, Ohio State, even though they didn't even start on time, and Alabama were the definitive one, two, three. You know who was ranked number 10 going into last year? Notre Dame, who finished the regular season undefeated, go to the playoff as the number four seed. The year before, LSU started the season number six. They go on to win the national championship. So someone outside of that top four is going to emerge, and it's on us to kind of figure out, okay, who is that team going to be? So I have come up with seven teams that I believe are quote-unquote dark horse candidates to make the college football playoff. And again, to be clear, it's only, it's literally any team outside of that top four of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So let's get into it. The first team that I am deeming a dark horse, their entire fan base will be offended that I even consider them a dark horse, and that's the Georgia Bulldogs. And in defense of their fans, I don't really believe that Georgia is a dark horse. I believe they are at worst the fifth best team in the country going into this year, and I think you can make a legitimate argument that they should be ranked second, third, fourth going into the season. But because they are clearly number two behind Alabama, because of that, I am listing them as a dark horse. But I also really think they have a chance to be really good. And if you remember a few weeks ago, I talked a little bit. The week one lines came out, and I talked a little bit about Georgia. And what I told you then still remains true only to the nth level, and that is that this is the year for Georgia. This is the year for Georgia because they're coming off a really good close to last season, and they finally have their quarterback. If you remember, JT Daniels started his career at USC, lost his job to Keaton Slovis, decides to transfer to Georgia, didn't play right away last year, but by the end of the season, he was in the starting lineup and the offense took off. Final three games, Georgia scores 31, 45, and 49 points. They go to the Peach Bowl, they beat Cincinnati, and if you did not believe that this is the offseason for Georgia and that Kirby Smart is pushing all the chips in the middle, All you had to do was pay attention to last week when Georgia took two insanely talented but pseudo high-risk transfers in terms of coming coming into their program. So if you didn't believe that Kirby Smart believed that this was the year and he's got to do it, he's got to make it work this year, well, we found that out last week when Kirby Smart took two high-profile transfers. For people who don't pay as much of attention to the college football transfer portal stuff, here are the two guys that Georgia added. 
Georgia added Eric Gilbert, who began last year at LSU. For people who do not remember, I'm not exaggerating when I say he is one of the most talented high school players to come out of high school football in like the last decade. He is literally rated the highest ranked tight end in the history of the recruiting services, played last year at LSU, had 35 catches in I believe only seven or eight games played, decided to opt out at the end of the season, and then it was just a fiasco from there. There was a two or three week window where many believed he was going to come back to LSU. Then he decided to transfer. He ends up transferring to Florida. Then he, as he commits to Florida, decides he's not actually going to go to Florida, reopens his recruitment, and in the last week commits to Georgia. Not trying to criticize the kid, not trying to pick on the kid, don't know exactly why there was so much indecision, but this is also a very important life decision for him. But now all of a sudden, you get basically 2021's version of Kyle Pitts at the college football level as Eric Gilbert is now going to Georgia again. Kirby Smart pushing the chips to the middle. And on top of that, Kirby Smart doubled down later in the day. Darion Kendrick, who was a cornerback. Georgia's a little thin in the secondary. They lost uh, two corners or two, two defensive backs that were taken very early in the draft this year. Eric Stokes, who famously went to Green Bay, which pissed off, uh, which pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the other kid, Tyson Campbell. And so I bring it up because Darian Kendrick, who was an all-ACC corner at Clemson, but essentially got thrown out of the team. He had a situation with a gun. He missed some time at spring practice. Now, I will say in his defense, Dabo Sweeney went to bat for him publicly, said he just can't be part of what we're doing, but, but we believe in him as a kid, all that kind of stuff. So to be clear, I'm not saying like these are terrible human beings or anything like that, but what I am saying is there's a little bit of dirt under the fingernails. There's a little bit of concern. There were some programs that backed off each of these players individually, but now they're at Georgia, and it kind of proves that Georgia kind of has all the chips in the middle for the 2021-2022, really the 2021 season into 2022 Georgia is the number one dark horse. If you don't want to call him a dark horse, if you're offended I called him a dark horse, that's fine. But to me, outside of that big four, they are by far the favorite to make the college football playoff of everyone remaining. Number two might surprise you, and it's the Iowa State Cyclones. And for people who do not remember, Iowa State was actually awesome last year. They started the season actually you know, with a, they were on the wrong side of a colossal upset. They lose to Louisiana. Don't call them Louisiana Lafayette. Their fans get mad. But University of Louisiana, Billy Napier is their head coach. They lose that game. And then they were basically awesome from there. They beat Oklahoma. They go on a run. They win their final five regular season games. And they go to the, their first ever Big 12 championship. Now, they did lose to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, but they went to the Fiesta Bowl, played well there, and they basically bring back their entire team off of a group that went 9-3 and three overall. You look at this team, 19 starters back in total. One of them, Brock Purdy, who's been there a million years as quarterback. Uh, Brees Hall, who had over 1,500 yards rushing. On top of that, Charlie Kohler, who's one of the top tight ends in college football. So you're looking at the second best team. If you don't believe in Oklahoma and the Big 12, there is a lot of value in betting Iowa State to make the college football playoff because they are very clearly the second best team in the Big 12. Now, I will also say this, though. They do have to play at Oklahoma, and it is late in the year. And so that game could be a de facto. Ultimately, maybe they meet up again a few weeks later in the Big 12 championship game. But there's also a chance that, that at that point, 
They could be playing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, for a spot in the college football playoff. They do have to go to Oklahoma, which will be the toughest game on their schedule. So that is worth mentioning. But Iowa State is number two because I do believe they are the second best team in the Big 12. Number three probably will surprise some of you. It is Cocho and the LSU Tigers. And for those who don't remember, last year was a disaster for LSU, okay? If you remember, they started the season so much hype coming off a national championship with Joe Burrow and all that stuff. What do they do? They lose their opener at home, give up a million points to Mike Leach in Mississippi State, and it never really got better from there. At one point, they were 3-5. and five. At one point, they actually decided to, quote-unquote, give themselves a self-imposed bowl ban, which was basically them saying, hey, we stink. We didn't want to go bowling anyway. Let's pull out of the postseason and make it look like we're punishing ourselves for some stuff that had happened a million years ago. But the team stunk. And so I'm sure a lot of you are sitting there saying, Torres, how could you possibly, how could you possibly believe that this is a team that can make the college football playoff? Well, what I would say is a few things. One, just about everything that could go wrong last year for LSU did. If you remember, Miles Brennan was their starting quarterback early in the season. He actually looked pretty good. As soon as he kind of started hitting his groove, he goes down with a major injury. He's out. They played quarterback roulette from there. Max Johnson, TJ Finley. TJ Finley's not even in the program anymore. But I bring it up to say the quarterback gets hurt. The defense under Bo Pelini was historically bad. Ed Orgeron fires Bo Pelini, and so the defense is going to get a fresh start, but they bring back basically the entire defense, nine starters, the entire defensive line, as well as cornerbacks Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks, who are maybe the best cornerback tandem in the SEC. Miles Brennan, the quarterback, is healthy, and I should mention, oh, by the way, don't forget that the schedule that really benefited them two years ago when they won the national championship, where they got Texas A&M at home, Auburn at home, Florida at home, they get those teams at home again. Now, they do have to go to Alabama. There will be full capacity, 100% capacity at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And again, I'm not saying that I expect LSU to make the college football playoff, but we're talking dark horses, and, and I actually think when you factor in the new look, the new energy on the defense now that Bo Pelini is gone, with the fact that Miles Brennan is healthy, on top of that, I should also mention I like the schedule, I just look at this team and I say, it wouldn't shock me. And maybe, by the way, we've seen two teams from the SEC get in before. It's not as though that's never happened before, so they could still lose to Alabama and maybe get in, but LSU is the number three team in terms of teams that I believe have a chance to make the college football playoff as dark horses. Number four, this one's another one that might surprise you. They're all going to surprise you because it's, you only really get one team a year that comes out of nowhere and makes the college football playoff. That's North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown sees it, baby. I mean, seriously, think about it. For all the crap that, remember Mac Brown got fired at Texas, and for like five years, it was like, well, that guy stinks. That guy's overrated. Uh, got to North Carolina, second year, eight and four in the Orange Bowl last year. And it showed, like, this guy's a really good coach. Now, is he Nick Saban? No, there's only one Nick Saban on the planet. Is he Dabo Sweeney? No, there's only one Dabo Sweeney on the planet. But this guy's really good. Now they bring back essentially... I don't want to say everyone of significance because they lost a bunch of skill position guys, but Sam Howell, who many believe is a Heisman dark horse, he is back this season. On top of that, a bunch of the guys on defense are back this season. And you start to look around the ACC. Once you get past Clemson, 
there's not really all that much to like there. Florida State is a million years away from being competitive, in my opinion. Miami is good on offense, but I don't believe they'll be good enough on defense. And so when I look at the combination of North Carolina, they bring back a lot, went to the Orange Bowl last year, have a potential Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, I really like them. You know what else I like about them? Guess when they play Clemson? They don't until the ACC championship game, which is obviously a benefit, very, very likely that they would still have to beat Clemson to go to the college football playoff. But at the same time, we're talking dark horses, we're talking long shots. I think you do a lot worse than North Carolina as that team. Number five, I am going to go with a team out of the Pac-12 because you got to take somebody from the Pac-12, right? Somebody from the Pac-12 is at least in the conversation. And I believe for basically the third or fourth straight year, that team is going to be Oregon. You look at Oregon, a lot to like, a lot returning. Kayvon Thibodeau on the defensive line is one of the best defensive linemen in college football. He will probably be a top five pick next year. Beyond him, you have a ton of skill position guys on that team that are really good. You look at C.J. Verdell as a running back. You look at Jalen Reed as a wide receiver. A lot of talent around that team. And they really have the closest thing to like an elite top shelf defense that you're going to find in the Pac-12. One of the biggest problems in the Pac-12, you just don't have as many elite high school defensive linemen, linebackers, corners, all that stuff. Oregon's got a ton and they have a defense that looks really, really, really good. Remember, this is the two-time reigning Pac-12 champ. A few years ago, they go to the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. Last year, they actually backdoored their way into the Pac-12 championship. Washington couldn't play. They take their place. They beat USC. They go to the Fiesta Bowl. Only two concerns with Oregon. And I have to tell both sides of the story. There's a reason they're a dark horse. There's a reason they're not a favorite. The first one, they do have to go play at Ohio State in week two. And by the way, poor Oregon. They were supposed to get Ohio State at home last year, supposed to go to the, the horseshoe this year. Well, they didn't get Ohio State at home, but they still have to go to the horseshoe, so stinks for them. But Oregon, that is one concern. You've got to go to Ohio State. I don't think you're winning that game. And at that point, you basically have to go undefeated from there. The second thing. I'm not sold on their quarterback. Their top quarterback from last year, Tyler Show, actually elected to transfer in part because his backup, who actually was a former starter at Boston College, um, his name is Anthony Brown. He is taking over, and I am just not sold that that's the guy that's going to take you to the college football playoff. I can't necessarily think of anyone that he reminds me of. He's good. He's fine. He's not elite. I do think Oregon, though, you know, they're going to be in position. And by the way, if they pull off that upset at Ohio State, Ohio State's going to have a first-year starter at quarterback. That'll be the first tough challenge that he faces. Who knows? Maybe you do end up in a position where Oregon is in the college football playoff. Two more teams before we get out of here. One is Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, some people actually believe, is the second-best team in the SEC behind Alabama. Now, I would lean Georgia, but with Texas A&M, they are really talented across the board. They basically return all of their skill position guys. Anaya Smith, their top wide receiver. On top of that, Isaiah Spiller, who was an insane running back last year, had that big run against Florida that's impossible to forget. Jalen Weidemeyer might be the best tight end in college football, one of the best right up there with Charlie Kohler from uh, Iowa State and other places like that. But Texas A&M, really good, really good defense. The only concern with Texas A&M is twofold. One, still got to go through Bama. And Bama seems to be their kryptonite, but they do get Bama at home, full, full packed house in College Station. But on top of that, my other concern is that they are replacing a four-year starter at quarterback. And Kellen Mond was not great for big chunks of his college career, but at the same time, he was still really good. And so I do think Kellen Mond, in my opinion, 
not having him is going to be an X factor. So replacing him is key. But again, we're, we're talking big picture. We're talking teams that are long shots. Texas A&M finished fifth last year. No reason to think that they can't have similar success this year. And finally, the seventh team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. And it, I, do I really believe that a group of five team is going to make the college football playoff? I don't. And as a matter of fact, I don't because of what happened to Cincinnati last year. If you remember, Cincinnati finished the regular season 9-0. and And every single week, they continued, even as they won, to drop down the polls. And the reason they continued to drop down was because the playoff committee was basically saying, we don't want a group of five team in the playoff. But with that said, crazier things have happened, and there's a couple things to consider. I think the fact that they were really good last year helps them coming into this year. It shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. But it does. Because just think about it from this perspective. Cincinnati already went undefeated, already proved they could play with Georgia in the Peach Bowl, and nearly won. Georgia deserved to win. I'm not saying they didn't, but the point is they already kind of have that brand established. Well, now they're coming back. Now they have a chance to build on that, and if it gets to a point where there is a a second straight undefeated season, people are really going to push for them to get an opportunity. And so when I look at Cincinnati, they do bring back their starting quarterback, Desmond Ritter, and the other thing going for Cincinnati this year they actually have the schedule to put themselves in position to make a legitimate argument. Last year, remember, there was really no out-of-conference game, so they really didn't get to play anybody marquee. Same problem that BYU had, that Coastal Carolina had, blah, 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 blah. But I bring it up because of the fact that this year Cincinnati has to play at Indiana, which was really good last year in case you forgot, and at Notre Dame. And if they win those two games, if they finish 13-0, including a conference championship game, it's going to be really hard to keep them out in case those top four, unless those top four are really good. But those are my seven teams that I believe are college football playoff dark horses. Use that information as you please. But if you can sign up on your app, if you can sign up on your phone, if you can go to the window and make some bets, I'm just trying to get you as much information as I can. But those are my seven college football playoff dark horses. And they range from, I think, actually pretty likely, like Georgia, all the way down to Oregon, Cincinnati, etc. But here are the seven. It was Georgia. It was Iowa State. It was LSU. It was North Carolina, Oregon, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati. All right, I think that's it for this segment of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Sorry, I was tripping. I was making sure I didn't miss anybody. But I think that's it for this segment. I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. As I promised you, special episode Wednesday. Forrest Galante, okay? I'm going to give you the hard sell for the last time. I think you need to download this. It's totally different than what we do, but sometimes we like to do different stuff. I don't like to be in a sports bubble 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and this guy, this interview was awesome. As I said, he has a show. It's called Extinct or Alive, where he basically gets dropped into the wilderness and is basically put in charge of, hey, Go find this animal. It hasn't been seen in 50 years. We believe it could still be alive. And it is an incredible show. It's on Animal Planet. But this guy is an incredible guest. We talk about all sorts of things. We talk about his adventures. We talk about getting held up at gunpoint by crazy, uh, you know, military militias in Africa and going into drug cartel land in Colombia. Like, so many great stories from this guy. And I think you'll appreciate it. And again, I said it off the top, but, um, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, we get into some some non, obviously it's all non-sports, but it's a really fun interview. I think you guys will like it. Uh, I will mention, by the way, a couple F-bombs dropped here and there, so just be aware of that, but it's a really fun interview. I think you'll enjoy it. It will be a light show on Wednesday. We're not going to go heavy in sports unless something interesting happens in sports, but Forrest Galante Wednesday, give it a shot. 
I think you'll really like it. That is it for today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Make sure to find the YouTube page. That is all for today's show. More good guests coming. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I'll be back Wednesday with Forrest Galante, regular show Thursday, but you got to download Wednesday. See you then, people. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.